following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. All right, well, good evening again. Welcome to our Bible study portion tonight. Uh, we'll just go for maybe a half an hour, see if I can uh, finish. I don't need this here, actually, so I can just move out of the way. Um, see if I can get us concluded by then. John chapter 17, please, this evening. John chapter 17. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it and be looking there because I'm going to ask you to help me tonight. Uh, you've got to help me produce the outline for the message. How about that? What I'd like to do is uh, have you scan the chapter. Um, in fact, what I'll do is I think I'll read it. And uh, I'm going to ask you to scan the chapter, so you've got to be paying attention now. Get a Bible if you don't have a Bible. Yes, those of you online, I'm looking at you too. Uh, so don't sit there on your couch thinking that you can get away without looking at your scriptures. Um, and uh, notice the major sections of this. Uh, I'll give you three of them. There's three of them. But I want you to tell me what are the prayer requests that are made here by the Lord in his high priestly prayer, as it is called. John chapter 17. You tell me, what are the prayer requests? If we can walk away tonight with those prayer requests in our minds, then we will have accomplished something, okay? John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. 
And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, And these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. All right, so did you see the sections here of the prayer? By the way, while you're thinking of that, can you just think about this prayer for a second? Here you have the son speaking to the father. Okay, this is like if you're a kindergartner and there's two PhDs talking to each other. I mean, it's, it's, you think the elevation of this prayer, that you have the divine son speaking with the divine father. And uh, that's why this is such a lofty prayer. It's an amazing prayer. And it's difficult to penetrate the depths of it because it is so vast in its marvelousness. So what are the sections here uh, of, this, of this prayer? Anyone want to hazard a, uh, an intelligent guess, an educated guess? Anybody? You have something jotted down in your notebooks uh, there online? What are the what, what's the first section? Give me the verse limits on the first section. Anybody? Okay, one through five. If you've got a study Bible, you can use that as a cheat sheet. Okay. Um, yeah. So one through five. What is Jesus doing in one through five? Anybody else? Yep. Okay, so Jesus is praying for himself, it says. He's actually praying a request. Well, he prays for himself, the, the, the heading says, but what is his prayer request? What is, his, what, what is he asking? What is he asking? You almost can't miss it. Class. Amen, brother. He's got it. Glorify your son. I want you to look at this now in verse number one. He spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Now, I want to also look you, uh, have you look down at verse five. Look at verse five. And now, O Father, glorify me. That's the son. Two times at the beginning and at the end of the section, Jesus makes the request that God would glorify the Son. Okay, that's his prayer ask, if you will. That's what he wants. Okay, glorify me together with yourself. 
Now, I'll, I'll speak a little bit more about what that means in a moment, but the second section must begin at verse 6 because we don't believe in uh, sections that, uh, you know, you skip verses on. <laughs> um, so verse 6, what is the Lord starting to do in verse number 6? Somebody else? Well, let's see here. I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and, I have, and they have kept your word. Uh, let's look at verse number, um, uh, let's see here, where is it? Verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the what? For the world. I do not pray for the world, but I pray for them. So who's he praying for now? He's praying for himself before. He's praying for who? Okay, which disciples? Does this include you or maybe not so much? What's that? The 12, yes. Yes, that's right. So uh, what verses say that, JL, where he's going to pray not only for those but also for those who will come? 20, okay. So there we've got our divisions, 6 through 19, is the second section, 20 through the end of the chapter is the third section, okay? So in the first section, he prays for himself. In the second section, he prays for the disciples. What does he pray for the disciples now? I'm going to say the 11, okay? But I'm also going to add, I believe he would not exclude the, uh, the women who are along with the 11 and other men who may have been tagging along as well. Okay, so what is he praying for them? Let's look in, uh, let's see here. I don't know if I have the, uh, well, I mentioned verse number nine. Where does it say what he wants to pray for? There's the same word in verse number six, but it's not the one I'm looking for. Um, Verse 11. It's in verse 11. What's that? Uh, Actually, yes. Uh, Where is that at? 11. I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Okay, that's interesting because we are going to see that theme again in verse 21. And so I didn't really focus on it in this section, but what I focused on here was the word keep. What do you suppose that that means? What is he asking them, uh, God rather? Well, look at verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost. So I believe that he's praying that the disciples will be protected. If I could use a different word than keep. Okay, so Jesus is praying that he would be glorified 
He's praying that the disciples would be kept and also that they would have joy, that they would be joyful. Uh, that's down on, you know, getting on farther into the section down towards 19. Um, he prays in verse 15 again, though, just one second. Uh, in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So protect them, protect them. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world, and so on, okay? So he's asking that they would have, this verse 13 is what I was trying to get to, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So really what he's doing here is he's praying that God, you would protect them and you would give them joy, okay? That's for the disciples, now, I don't think that this is exclusive, ultimately exclusive of all believers later on. In other words, I don't think the Lord would say, well, I don't really care to protect those ones from verses 20 to 26, but that's not the focus of the prayer. He knows that the disciples are going to experience terrible physical and spiritual trials, somewhat like what he himself is about to experience, but I'm going to get ahead of myself if I go on farther down that road. So let's carry on with our outline. We're trying to make sure we understand three sections, three basic prayer requests. One, Jesus says, I want, I'm asking you to glorify me. Two, protect the disciples and give them joy. And three, what is he asking in the last section? Well, that's in verse 21. Uh, he's praying for now these who will believe in me through their word, that is through the disciples' word. So this is all believers afterwards. And here's his request, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us and that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, Jesus turns his attention to people who will become believers in the future based on the testimony of his disciples. Let me ask you this question now, okay? Answer me honestly. Do you believe that the believers today are one as the Father is with the Son? Is there some kind of unity that we... That's, this, the word unity is often used in this passage. That they may be one. Um... Verse 23, I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. He also asks that, verse 24, that they who you have given me may be with me where I am. You know what that means? That means that a believer who dies today is with the Lord, because we believe the Lord's prayer request is answered affirmatively, do we not? Did he ever pray anything outside of the will of God? Couldn't. Impossible. Okay, so that gives us great confidence that in the end, we are going to be with the Lord. But let me ask that question again. Are, are the believers today who are in view here, are they unified together as the Lord has prayed here? I don't believe so not in the kind of way that the world thinks of this verse, of this idea. So then let me take you to the next step. 
If that's the case, then has Jesus' prayer been not answered or answered negatively? What do you think? Ah, not been answered yet. That's a possibility. How about all the other prayer requests? Did the Father glorify him? Yep. Did he keep the disciples? Yep. Did he give them joy? Yep. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. We're seeing a pattern here. All of Jesus' requests have been answered affirmatively. This one doesn't seem to have been up until this point. And so the kind of unity that Christians, broadly speaking, talk about today about everyone getting together and happily coexisting and denominations and ecumenical unity and all of that sort of thing is not a reality. So if that is the meaning of the prayer, somehow we've cleverly foiled the prayer request of Jesus and we have not allowed it to be answered affirmatively thus far. Since the early church, there has been no denominational or ecumenical unity, has there? Not really not the experience of the church in reality. Since Christ's prayer requests are always fulfilled, and this has not been fulfilled in the way people talk about today, I propose this alternative solution. Jesus is not talking about the kind of ecumenical unity that everybody thinks he is. Okay, That's not the kind of unity that Jesus wants anyway. He doesn't want us to be ecumenically united with Catholics and others who deny the gospel of Christ. Now, does he? No, he doesn't. It must be that Christ was not speaking about that kind of unity at all. That much we can be certain of. And that's the pitfalls where everybody's calling for this generic unity. You know, you're, you're in sin because you're not fellowshipping with the Mormons, the Catholics, the Assembly of God and all those sorts of things. You, you, you need to repent of that. No, we don't need to repent of that. We need to hold fast the form of sound words. All these pitfalls for generic, call for generic unity where there are no doctrinal boundaries or no hard teachings that people do not like. So we have to figure out what unity therefore might mean. We gather clues from the text. Okay? First of all, Jesus is speaking about those who believe in Christ, number one. Number two, the Prayer request, we have to assume, is answered affirmatively. They will be one. One is defined by the statement in verse number 21. Uh, It says that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Or, verse 23, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. Verse 23 says, I in them and you in me. That kind of unity Just as the Father is in Christ and Christ is in the Father, there is a mutual indwelling, a spiritual unity, a close interpersonal relationship shared by the Father and the Son. They exist in perfect righteousness together. Believers will and, in fact, already have that kind of unity. That prayer request has been answered. I think it's the kind of unity exactly as spoken of in 1 John chapter 1. What does 1 John 1 say? John says, I've written these things that your joy may be full. And what? That you may have fellowship with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ, that you may have fellowship with us. That word fellowship is this unity. 
It's the kind of common fellowship, the common life that is shared with Christ and all believers. So when somebody comes to faith in Christ, they will be one with the Father and with the Son. Are you with me? They have common life and common fellowship. This is a wonderful thing. When you go anywhere you go and you have believers, you can sense the kindred spirit you have with them already even though you have never met them before. Some of the brothers and sisters down in South America that I have hardly ever met or never met before, and you can tell they have that kinship in the gospel. It's a, it's a marvelous thing. We share that kind of unity. Now, you may say, I'm not quite exactly sure about what the boundaries of that unity are. Like, I'm not sure if they're in or out. Don't worry about that. Okay? Uh, you know, we may have some difficulty defining the exact borders of that fellowship, but God doesn't have any difficulty, does he? <laughs> because he knows what? Those who are his. He knows the ones he has given to Christ for Christ to give eternal life to them. All those, Christ said, all those that you've given to me, I will raise them up at the last day. He knows all of those by name. And so that unity that we have is fulfilled, I believe, in not this generic ecumenical call for unity, but in the call, in the, in the actual unity of being united with Christ, of having that common fellowship uh, together. Now, I'll just finish this section, and we'll have to work backwards earlier to the earlier two, but another time. The purpose of the disciples' unity is that they would that the world, rather, would believe that the Father has sent the Son. That's stated two times in this section, that the Father has, has sent the Son. In other words, our unity together, our common fellowship with one another as believers, ought to show the world that indeed the Father did send the Son, and He has made this common life available to us that we share together. We're exhibiting a kind of unity that the world, however, ignores, because what's the world do? Well, the world likes to nitpick, nitpick, I call it, at the fractures between little denominational bodies, and uh, they ignore the unity and its lust to point outward fractures as an evidence of lack of unity and a criticism. You ever find that in yourself, a spirit of criticism? Look, knock it off. Knock it off. That's what the world does. You know, you Christians, you know, this denomination and that denomination and all that sort of stuff. Well, within the boundaries, do you realize that we all believe that God the Father sent the Son to die for our sins and He rose again from the dead? We believe that all commonly together. We hold that all to be true. We are united in one that way. And you folks out there ought to believe, just like we have believed, that the Father sent the Son and He sent Him to give eternal life to the world. That is a marvelous statement. So we need to stand firm and stand fast on that. Now, finally, uh, in the section, well, maybe not finally, finally, but at least I mentioned it already that Christ prayed that those who uh, believed would be with Him where He is. And, and notice uh, that they may behold my glory. This is verse 24, that they may behold my glory which you have given to me. Where, when, and how are we going to observe that glory? 
Well, 17.5, part of that first prayer request. Now, Holy Father, or, or O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So you're going to see the glory of Jesus Christ like he was before the world began. Only I might suggest that it's going to be even more than that because there was nobody to observe him before the world began. Now in eternity future, there will be thousands upon thousands and millions of angels and of redeemed humanity who will be able to observe the glory of the Christ given to him by the Father. And as he reflects that glory onto his people and, 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 and presents them to the Father for all eternity, they in turn glorify the Father. That's the beginning of chapter 17. We continue to praise the name of God and worship Him throughout all eternity. That will be glory. That will be glory indeed for Him and for God, and we will be able to share in that. And so Jesus says in verse 26, I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So that declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ will cause us to love one another and love God and have Christ in us. It's a very, it's a very lofty prayer. It's a very hard to understand in a way. As I say, uh, God speaking to God, us entering into that is a uh, that, that, that's a very difficult subject to uh, to have to ponder. But that's what we have. Now we should have full confidence in our Lord's salvation and great joy at the prospects of actually seeing Christ glorified with all believers, being able to fully express our unity with one another and being kept by the infinite power of God throughout this life. You're going to be kept, you know that, through any trial, cancer, death, um, loss of a loved one. We've experienced all these things in our church family of late and many others. God's going to keep those who belong to him by the infinite power of God and the Son, our advocate, there is truly no way that a Christian can be snatched from the loving and sovereign hand of God and can be disunified with God through Christ because God will keep them in answer to the Lord's prayer for himself and for his disciples and for all those that would believe through their word. Okay, three prayer requests, three sections there. I hope that's helpful for you. We've got to look at the rest of that another time. But um, I selected this passage because uh, I had the question about prayer and uh, I started in Matthew 6 and I didn't want to do more of Matthew 6 tonight. I wanted to save it for Sunday morning so I could finish uh, that in the same setting that we had the first uh, segment of it uh, for the benefit of those that were asking about that matter of prayer. And I thought, well, what better way than to go to another prayer that the Lord offered and just go you know, right to the top, as it were, right to the top of the prayer chapters in the Bible and look at what our Lord said to the Father. Let's pray. Lord, we bow before you, and uh, to think about this prayer is, uh, <laughs> although I spent time thinking about it yesterday and today, uh, I don't feel like I've scratched the surface hardly, and I, I suspect many of us feel the same way. But Lord, we have in, enjoyed some little depths here and there. Lord, help us to understand this as we read it in the future and 
really enjoy what the Lord has, has requested and know that His requests have been answered affirmatively by you because they are and were in accordance with the will of God. In the name of Christ, Lord, Father, we pray to you that these things would be uh, would dawn upon us and that we would have a real practical interaction with them. That we would know the Lord and his word and be set apart by his truth. I pray your blessing on each one participating in this way through the technology or in person tonight. May you guide us and guard us, keep our hearts close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.